Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Just finishing off uh, talking which I've been doing now for a number of weeks. And if you are here in the service and you haven't heard this message or you're online, you haven't heard it, can I encourage you to go to the podcast? Because I'm talking about one of the most important messages that you can hear as a believer. It's such an important message. So outside of talking about your direct relationship with God and your salvation, getting understanding that when you're saved, God has got a kingdom purpose for you in his house and then a kingdom purpose out in the community is massive. Yet, if you've been hearing me talk about it, I've been talking how when I go around the world now, pastor this year, 34 years, ministry, as Christian 41, I meet so many Christians, so many Christians, who if I say to them, what is your kingdom purpose in God's house right now? They'll say, I'm praying about it. And I go, how long have you been praying about it? And most of them will say, oh, um, yeah, um, uh, and I know they're about to say 20 years, and they're still not in God's kingdom purpose. And then I say, what's your kingdom purpose out in the community? Uh, y- yeah. Um, and I'm like, you're praying about that too. Everybody, we need to be nailing when we get saved, nailing it. Why has God not got you saved and then taken you straight into heaven? <laughs> he's got you saved because he's got things for you to do. He's got things for you to bring. And there is stuff for you to do. Hello, in his house and out of his house. You have kingdom purpose in the house of God and then kingdom purpose out in the world, in the community, and in in the city that God has placed you here in Perth in Western Australia. So, but what we need to understand is that it's so important that we get that. Otherwise, our lives, can I just say this? Otherwise, our lives are open to destruction by the enemy. The enemy gets in where people don't know why they're here. Somebody once said, I like that uh, old quote, two greatest days of your life, the day you're born, I'd say born again. (laughs) But the day, and the second greatest day is the day you find out what for. Everybody, why are you here? Why are you taking God's oxygen? (laughs) He's given it to us. Hello. He's given us a life. He's given us a body. He's given us all that we need to fulfill our purpose in his house and out of his house. And for those who get it, for the Christians who get it, and for the churches that get it, they become strong vehicles for God to use to help a lot of people, not to be a motivational center. (laughs) A lot of churches can become a motivational center where they've got a couple, husband and wife, or a couple of preachers, and people come to, and this is churches around the world, and people come in, they may be paying their tithe, I hope they are, they may be giving, but they come in every week and they watch a couple of people going to the promised land, but they themselves are not going. Everybody, that is not biblical. You know, I, I've got a few friends around the world who are like that, and I say, how are you going? How's church? And they go, oh, last week he preached a great one, eight out of ten. And their measure for God's purpose in their life is scoring the speaker. Everybody, that has not ever been in the Bible, the measure for your purpose in God's house. 
Never has that been the measure. And then, to be honest, there are Christian leaders who they mean well, but they let people sit functionless, coming and hearing them go to the promised land, them be blessed, them be preaching, and, uh, and the, that leader can go away going, wow, I have a big ministry in a big church or a church where people come and listen to me, and they're in their destiny while you, the body of Christ, are not. Everybody, this is unbiblical, and it's incorrect. Pastors, Ephesians 4 says that pastors, teachers, by the way, the gift on a pastor and a teacher and an apostle, prophet, evangelist, life, it's a gift that God gave them at conception. We didn't get these gifts because we did a study course. I'm in my calling because God put in me at conception. And so what happened is the enemy tried to wreck it up through my family and our broken family that I come from. But then God goes, I am going to heal you as you follow me and then restore you and then use your life. So I, in Ephesians 4, when you read what these five gifts are here to do, pastors, apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, we're here to equip you for your work and your ministry in the house, it says, and your work of service out into the world. That's what our role is. So when, if you ever seen motivational preachers talk and they're talking you know, about anything other than that, they're not really doing what they're meant to be doing. They're being paid for a role God never gave them. So we hope that you're inspired. We hope that you are motivated to go forward. But our role here is not to be motivators and inspirers per se. The goal that God has is that we would help you be equipped to step up and go, right, what is my purpose in God's house? And what is my purpose out in the community? So that you are able to live your life no longer going, well, you know, I'm kind of praying about it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm getting around to something. Versus, I sought the Lord. I spoke to key leaders and pastors who've walked this journey for decades before me to say, what should I be doing? Now, listen, what should I be doing in 2022, in this season of my life? And usually it's in line with your age, your maturity as a Christian, your character, and your gifts and talents. And you will have leaders and pastors who will say, right now, this is what you should be doing. Sue and I had that. We had pastors and leaders. We weren't trying to call the shots. We were like, what? When we were, got, became Christians, we were like, what do we need to be doing now? And they'd say, hey, this is what we feel you should do. This is what we feel you should do. So Sue and I go like, right, we'll take instruction. I know, fresh concept, right? We'll take instruction, and as we did, then as we worked through that, then suddenly we'd have revelation to ourselves and say, wow, I've changed doing that. And that was a bit challenging to my character, but wow, I kind of see Jesus in a new light, see the church in a new light, understand the Bible a bit more. And then we could do the next thing. And then suddenly we were on a journey and we were having ministry people shape us and guide us to where they actually guided Sue and I into, um, if you like, Christian leadership in the church. But if we didn't start the journey there with instruction, we would never have got here to where we are now. So you have a kingdom purpose, everybody. And, you, and all of us, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, once to die, you ready? Then the judgment. 
Once to die, Hebrews 9, 27, then the judgment, judgment for what? So the Bible actually talks about rewards for what we do. There's actually rewards in eternity for what you do or don't do. So our, we've been judged righteous if you're born again. If you've given your life to Christ and repent of your sin, you've been judged righteous legally by what Jesus did in dying on the cross for you. But in our life now, there are things that God is saying, hey, um, there's going to be rewards. And God's going to say, what did you do with my gifts in my house? <laughs> A lot of us are going to go, oh, <laughs> we're in eternity now. I'm still uh, praying about it. What did you do with your life? The gifts and talents I gave you to be in your kingdom purpose and the community. Oh, Lord, I know it's eternity, but yeah, I'm still praying about that too. So we need to give a little bit more thought, everybody, to what's important versus what just seems to surround our lives with circumstances that ultimately is a lot of stuff, everybody, is ultimately a lot of stuff that you are doing right now that is absolutely of no importance. The stuff that I have to assess and go, is that important in my life when walk with God right now? Is that important? And ultimately, there's so many things I'm doing that are of no importance. So I want to encourage you, look again at your life and go, hmm, am I in God's kingdom purpose in his house? And am I in God's kingdom purpose in the community? If not, start asking the question. This is where Christians all around the world really fall down. And I've been like it. I've done it. We never ask a question. We just assume. We assume this is what God wants. We assume this is what is needed in the church. We assume this is how to do it. When we really need to stop and say, what is needed right now? And how could I be a help in God's house? What is needed right now? And how could I be a help in God's house? And being a help means at times I'm doing things that I didn't choose to do, but was asked of me. And uh, when you do, you are fulfilled. The enemy is after your fulfillment. Say it again. The enemy is after your spiritual fulfillment. One more time, because we need to get this. The enemy, the devil, is after your spiritual fulfillment. And if he can get you from knowing your purpose in God's house and your purpose out of God's house, then he's certainly going to get your children and grandchildren distracted. That's when the enemy gets in. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, uh, where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no purpose, people perish emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually. They're Christians. You can be a Christian going to church perishing because you have no kingdom vision. There's no kingdom purpose. There's no purpose outside. But the devil really struggles where he gets a man or a woman or a couple who go, right, we're in, this is our kingdom purpose. We're in it right now. And we're going to walk in that and we're going to model that to our children. And we're going to help our children get in kingdom purpose. And then out in the world, our kingdom purpose is this. The devil's like, ah, oh, no, you guys suck. <laughs> you guys suck. I'm just going to get into your life, but you've filled it now, no, with God's purpose, both in the house and out in the world. So the temptations of sin, the lolly bags that the devil brings to try and distract us into sin are defeated because I'm now in the purpose. So Sue and I got saved, broken backgrounds, broken families, 
you know, we have alcoholism, mental illness, depression, family breakup. Soon I got all of it. And then we start walking in God's house, and now we go, right, we're in his kingdom purpose. What's our kingdom purpose? We were called to spiritual leadership in the church. Called to teach, preach, lead, establish churches, raise people up, disciple, um, love, parent, grandparents. You and I become parents and grandparents early. And, uh, and we love it. And it's a calling in the house. Then we have a calling out of the house. And right now, Sue, with her challenging with her situation, Sue's being a great care of our neighborhood and a great soul winner. I love it. She said, I can't do this right now, but I can do this. And she's like, I have to do the chapel service because I can't do that service. So she's going, Lord, make it work. So both of us know in the middle of challenge, we're in God's will. And with that, here's the big word. We're fulfilled. The club won't fulfill you. The world won't fulfill you. I was out there. I was bored at 19, having done a lot of worldly stuff, let me tell you, by that age. And I was bored and said, is this it? And some of you right now, I want to tell you, some of you Christians, you're bored. But that is not God's fault. I was bored in the world, and I was saying, is this it? When God came into my life and rescued me, but he rescued me for his kingdom purpose, where I discover, aha, the devil, no wonder you were doing that, because now in Christ, I'm fulfilled. God wants you fulfilled. So what's the basis of this? 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. Christians, let all that you do be done in love. It doesn't just say words in this instance. It says in what you do as well. And actually, fact, can I just put the balance on that? Some of us are great doers, but we're not great speakers. But I believe in God's house, God has called us throughout his word to be an encourager, be an exhorter. So if you're a great doer, right now, your kingdom purpose might be to balance that with some great words. Be a great encourager. When was the last time you encouraged a new Christian? And said, hey, let me, can I just pray for you? I know you just became a Christian at our church. I want to come alongside you and pray for you. How could I encourage you? I know you've been going through a challenging time. Could I pray for you? Could I make you a meal? Could I bless you? Could I do something for you? Um, also too, hey, you bless me when you do that in our house. You bless me when you lead worship. You bless me when you lead that group. You bless me when you serve like you do in the car park. We need to have a church of great encouragers and doers. Then that way, everybody's got, you know, courage and steel and they're lifted so that we can fulfill God's purpose. You know, um, I was talking about uh, Dave and Cindy Harding in the last service who've been in our church from day one. Dave and Cindy got, came to church Dave was a Muslim, became a Christian. He was an English white Muslim. And then he became a Christian. And uh, they've been sitting in church for 23 years. But what I noticed about Dave and Cindy, which has been so helpful, Sue and I, is they've always said to me, how can we help? They have their, he, he works in a business. He's flat out. But he's always saying, how can we help? They've been doing that for 23 years. And then they've done many ministries. Things have, the season's changed for them now. They're on our eldership. They've been on our eldership for many years. But I'm just like, I always get blessed by the fact that just, how can we help? What can we help? They haven't graduated from that. Some of us never have got on that <laughs> to graduate from it. But here's Dave and Cindy. How can we help still? And I'm like, how grateful am I for those people? And they do it in deed and word. Deed and word. Everybody, as they've released me and Sue, we've been able to release you. 
get what I'm saying? Everybody who gets this and plays their kingdom purpose, we all release people at new levels. And in doing so, everybody's getting released. Everybody's getting blessed. Everybody's getting helped. Everybody's getting uplifted in the house of God. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all these things, above everything, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. How nice. So God's word is put on love. Make a decision to put it on. Sometimes you don't feel it, put it on. <laughs> Sometimes you're not feeling it. Lord, I put on love. I reach out to you and I say, Lord, grace me with love. Why do we love? 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. If you're feeling like, well, I don't feel a whole lot of love, lean into Jesus and say, Jesus, fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Sometimes you've got to switch off the phone. The enemy will do everything he can to interrupt you getting near God and near his love. I want to encourage you, get radical with your phone and your stuff and click things off. And one of the best things you can do is get the Bible uh, on a voice app where you can hear the New Testament. Get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Hear it every day. If you've got it on for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and you hear a proverb every day as well, hear it. It's going to come into your spirit. And then I hear the Word of God, and I'm like, Lord, help me to apply that. But Lord, help me to be filled with your love today. And God fills me with love, and then that is energizing and mobilizing me now for four decades. You know, the Bible says that we're all priests in the New Testament. I went to a church where there was the priest out the front, and all of us were the plebs in the seats. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, they must be the holy person. None of us are. God couldn't use any of us. And it was completely wrong because the Bible says this, we are the priesthood of all believers. And what do the priests do? They minister first to God in the Old Testament, then the people. The priest in the Old Testament ministers first to God, then the people. And the Bible says, you're a priest. So what are you called to do? Minister first to God, then the people. Get around the right way, first to God, then the people. And I like what Gene Edward Vaith said. He said, the priesthood of all believers did not make everyone into church workers. Rather, it turned every kind of work into a sacred calling in God's house. Turn everything into a sacred calling. So whatever you do, God says now that's sacred. You know, Jesus was queried by the religious people, the Sanhedrin. What's the greatest commandment of all, Jesus? And in Mark 12, Jesus answered and said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And then Jesus said, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus says the two greatest things that we are called to do in our life is love him with our heart, mind, soul, strength. And then the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. Can I encourage you to? Some of our neighbors aren't feeling very loved. Some of our neighbors aren't feeling very loved because we are not also first caring for ourselves. You need to care for yourself. Give your life dignity. Give yourself value. Take yourself for coffee. I don't know what you're going to do. But you got to look after you, love you, love God's hand on you, and stop self-sabotaging. So many Christians are self-sabotaging. Stop the self-sabotage. Just as God is saying, hey, come, I want to use you. You have a kingdom purpose. We hit the sabotage button. Boom! And we kill it. No, and we just kind of wreck what God's about to do. And we do it through rationalization. We do it through this, that, and the other thing. And, and God is saying, don't sabotage what I'm trying to do because I'm trying to use you. 
That's my prayer for you today. Lose the self-sabotage. Hand off the button and go, Lord, help me now to be kind to myself. And being kind to yourself is positioning yourself for kingdom purpose. Look at Ephesians 4. So powerful. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, everybody. Paul says to the Ephesians, we ought to grow up. I think we should just stop there. (laughs) That'll do, Paul. Paul says to the Ephesian church, rather, speaking the truth in love, which I'm doing today, we ought to grow up. Let's stop right there. God wants us as Christians to grow up. He wants us to grow up. Grow up means don't be led by your feelings. Lead your feelings. I didn't say don't feel your feelings. I just said lead them. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to realize that if you want to reap, you've got to sow. Guys, heard me talk about relationships. I see some people sometimes. I got no friends. Why is no one kind to me in the church? Why is no one kind to me outside? Why have I got no friends? Blah, 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 blah. Everybody, I've had those moments. I had a pity party, invited my friends, me, myself, and I, <laughs> and achieved absolutely nothing. The most useless emotion you can ever have, because I've had it, is self-pity. It produces absolutely nothing. So, and I've told this story before, but if I go to Bank West, right, and say, hey, I'm going to put my, ATM, my card in the ATM, and I'm going to do a withdrawal and get some cash out today. And if no money comes out, it's no use me going into the teller inside and saying, hey, what's wrong with you at Bank West? I just put my card in, withdrew, and nothing came out. Well, here's what the teller's going to say. Uh, Mr. Keen, you will note that to be able to do a withdrawal, you have to have made a deposit. <laughs> Christians, in order to make a withdrawal, you have to make a deposit in other people's lives. And sometimes that's going to take a lot of years before you get something coming back to you. But the Bible tells us if we sow and we continue to sow, we don't give up, we don't faint, we will reap ultimately. But you don't want to be a Christian or even just, a, you don't want to be an adult who's, I did three coffees for her, I did this for him, I took them out, I visited them, I rang them, I did that, I did that. And then you have a list of what you did, and then you got a list of what you're expecting from them, and it's not happening. Whatever you do, the Bible says, freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. So we need to wipe out whatever we've done for others and just have faith, Lord, as I sow freely, you will take care of me and bless me in due season. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've grown up in that verse, it says, grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is, which it is, it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Right here is an analogy in God's Word between the human body and the church. The human body and the church. And God's Word is saying here, everybody, when you grow up, you need to realize basically that every one of us is meant to be supplying. Right now, my blood has got a supply so my hands can move. I've got a whole lot of stuff going on in this body right now to make things work so that I can see, I can blink. I've got, you know, I don't want to say saliva. Let's not go there. Um, Come up with something else. So everything can work, right? Now, the Bible's saying for the church to work properly, every one of you needs to be supplying. Every one of you needs to be supplying. And so it says when each part, you got the scripture again, guys? When each part, look at this in the middle verse, is working properly. So when you are working properly in the body of Christ, 
the, the body then grows, grows with people, grows in, in uh, knowing God, grows in walking with God, and builds itself up in love when everybody's working properly, when each part. So you need to be going, Lord, hang on a minute. I need to be working properly as a believer so that the body of Christ can function properly. How many people have like got a small have had a small thing that's given you jip? I, I broke my toe five times in I don't know how many years. And it just affected me walking so much. And I ended up telling this surgeon, just chop it off. Because I'd broken it so many times. And the surgeon said, I can't chop that off. If I chop your toe off, it's gonna affect your, your gait, your walk, and other things. And I was like, it's so small, just do, get, you know, I'm just like, get on, I wanna get on with it, right? And he said, no, see, even the small part was affecting my body. So if you, even though you're a small part in your eyes, not in God's eyes, your eyes, you're affecting the body of Christ either for growing or not. I should have got more applause for that. (laughs) I'm being humorous, but I'm wanting you to get Do you see how important you are? Even a small toe was affecting me even moving. So no matter what your part is, you're affecting the whole. So that's why we need to say, Lord, and to the leaders and to pastors in the local church where God plants you, what should I be doing? So that I am effectively working in my kingdom purpose now so that the body of Christ where God has planted me is effectively working in its role in the community here and beyond. See, we can't chop you off if you're not being effective. <laughs> I wanted the toe gone. Jesus is not going to come to you if you're not effective at the moment and say, hey, we need to chop you off. You're keeping this whole body down. God goes, no, let's get you sorted. Let's get you healed so that you can take your part effectively in the body so that it builds itself up in love. So good. God's given us in 2 Corinthians the ministry of reconciliation. Look at this. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world. What was that? Bringing the world back. Jesus was drawing the world to him. Through his death on the cross, we were brought and reconciled from our brokenness, our blindness, our depravity, and brought into the possibility of relationship with Christ because of all that Jesus has done on the cross. The Bible says that God was not crowning the trespassers against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through you. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So the Bible is saying to everybody, if you're not walking with God, if you're not yet a Christian, if you're not yet born again, by the way, God doesn't call us to religion. He calls us to relationship. Hello, the kingdom is not about a one-night stand. That's what the world does. A lot of Christians have copied what they did in the world before they were saved. They have a one-night stand in the world. They've got a one-night stand with God. It's like, yeah, God, Christmas and Easter, I'm there, you and me. God's like, you know, I really haven't designed you for a one-night stand with me. I've designed you for a living relationship with me, day by day, week in, week out. And then he says, I've actually now anointed you to be an ambassador. Everybody, you're an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You are an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Come on, if you're a Christian, you are an ambassador for the kingdom of God. 
But you have to be part of a team and a family so that you have protection and accountability because that's a very big calling. And if you blow out just because you're doing your own thing, that's unsafe for you and unsafe for the hearers. So every Christian needs to have a sense of, hey, I'm accountable, I'm responsible, I'm an ambassador, act like one, get out of bed. Don't get out of bed and go, oh, what's happening in my life? Get out of bed and say, hey, I'm an ambassador. Ambassadors get jobs. Ambassadors get blessed. Ambassadors have favour. Ambassadors have protection. Listen, anyone who's walking as an ambassador, you will have those things in your life because God sees, oh, here's a Christian honouring me. Here's a Christian walking as an ambassador, even wherever they're serving. Your service might be in the technical. If you do it as an ambassador, God says, I'm going to honour you as you honour me and honour my house in Jesus' name. You know, and I'm just going to finish with this last thought is, you know, one of the, our key kingdom purposes, everybody, again, and Naveen talked about it really well at the offering time, is that we are called to be stewards. You're not called to be owners. So many people feel like I'm an owner on the planet. One of the most mature things you can do and grow up as a Christian is where you go, I don't own anything. Everybody, you come in with nothing. Guess what you're leaving with? You're going out with nothing. You're going out with nothing. Even if we try and bury your car with you, (laughs) which I don't know if you want. Some people do want that stuff. You aren't even going to know about it. Came out, come in with nothing, going out with nothing. It's what you do in the middle that counts. So what we do with our finances, and I'm so proud of all of our church because we sponsor 1,266 children, 61 around the world. But um, last week, God, I went and spoke at a church uh, for compassion, and he had a church. How many people in the church? About 20 people in the church. Well, five sponsored a child. <laughs> How good was that? So, but it takes, right, people getting a revelation of, I'm a steward. My job God gave me, I'm a steward. The Bible says God owns cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything, the whole deal. So, but we're like stewards, Lord, my job is for you. My business, you're the CEO. My finances. And when you live like that, boy, you see the supernatural. You see God's miracle provision. You know, right now, we have got potentially two more church plants around the world on the boil we're looking at and we're called to do that we're called to establish global heart families global heart extended family in nations of the world people need family and community like never before and we get that and that's what we want to do family and community places where people come to Christ absolutely but we want to do that but it's going to take money it's going to take people it's going to take sacrifice we've got two right now on the boil which you will hear about in due season. But I like this. I got this a couple of years ago where, let me read it to you. Somebody wrote to the Dear Abby, you know Dear Abby in the newspaper, and they wrote this in America. It says, in a recent column, a reader complained about the money he was expected to give to God slash church. And uh, and the, he was responding to an article, um, is the church costing too much? And this person wrote in and said, last Sunday, another golfer sang the last part on the 18th green and received a check for $50,000 for four rounds and of golf, plus a new car for himself and for his wife. This week, the papers reported that a certain popular singer will receive $100,000 per week for her current singing engagement. Currently, we in the Western nations spend more money on dog food than on church contributions. 
It is not unusual for an individual to pay more for his or her own gym membership than they give to their church where they receive salvation, God's Word, life teaching, a trained and equipped for their ministry, find acceptance, love, and connection each week. And so this person wrote, is the church costing too much? And this is their response to the person who said that they thought possibly it was. They said, let me share with you an experience. On June 2nd, 1990, a little girl was born to us. She cost us money from the moment she was born. As she grew from babyhood to a teenager, she cost us even more. Her schooling, her books, her technical wants, her clothing, her shoes, her transport became more and more expensive. We also had to pay the doctors for the childhood illnesses she continued to have. As the years went by, she became even more expensive with hair, makeup, outfits, outfits for parties. When she went to university, we discovered along with all the other parents that not all the expenses were listed in the university brochure to our surprise. Then after graduation, she fell in love and she was married. She was married in a uh, church wedding and the reception she and her husband had was very expensive. Then five months after her marriage, our daughter suddenly became desperately ill and within a week, she was gone. Our daughter has not cost us a cent from the day we walked home from laying her to rest. This has taught my wife and I clearly that as long as a church is alive, it will cost money. And the more alive a church is, the more money it will cost. Only a dead church, like a dead child, is no longer expensive. Everybody, we are called to have a kingdom purpose of financing God's house so that we can be His hands and feet to people here at home, although here in the places God takes us in the world, but definitely right here at home where people are in need and have struggles and challenges. We want to be the church that is able to step up, support them, help them. You know, there's things going on that you don't know about where we're stepping with people's bills and different things. That all, you know, guess what? That happens because people get, I'm not the owner of my life and my finances. I'm the steward. You have a great kingdom purpose. You're important in God's house. I really want you to be praying and thinking right now, and saying, Lord, what is it? And then talk to somebody. Don't assume. Ask our team. What should I be doing right now due to my age, my age as a Christian, my level of maturity? Sometimes you can't, you're like due to something, you're like, I can't do anything in God's house right now. Listen, you can always be a great prayer warrior. There's always something that can be happening that maybe you can adjust, but there's something for you to do. And I want you to keep the enemy out of your door, out of your life, out of your family by going, this is my kingdom purpose in 2022 at Global Heart Church. And this is my kingdom purpose out in the world. And I'll be talking about that that in a series shortly. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. 
God bless and have a great week.